I'm Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. And I'm Scott Jason with Fog.net. This is a replay of WIBW's TV show, The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Good evening, Wildcat and Jayhawk fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by FlynnHillsAuto.com. I'm Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com, and the man to my right is Scott Chasen of Fog.net, and by golly, my friend, we've got winners. We're covering winners. I, I think, have you seen the movie Freaky Friday? Yeah. Lindsay Lohan, is it yeah, Jamie yeah. Lee Curtis? Yeah. What, I mean, that's what happened on Friday, Friday the 13th, crazy games, crazy happening. What happened if we had a Freaky Friday and you woke up in this body, and then you tried to go for one of your runs? I think I'd just go back to bed. Exactly. You can interact with us. I do that all the time. <laughs> on social media at facebook.com slash the drive show, on Twitter at the drive 13, and of course, answer our weekly poll question and make your game predictions at the drive And remember, if you ever miss an episode of the drive, you can listen to an audio only version that will be appear each Monday morning in the form of a podcast at both gopowercat.com and fog.net. And we will start things off with our two-minute drill. And our two-minute drill is brought to you by Hands. They've been expecting you. Now, let's eat. Well, it was far from a perfect performance for Chris Kleiman's Wildcats at Mississippi State, but the Wildcats beat the 23rd-ranked Bulldogs 31-24 to first. How did the Cats get this victory? Persistence. I tell you what, if you go back and watch this game, K-State had uh, two muffed punts, another fumble, ironically after an interception, this wasn't it, um, and then they also uh, had a penalty right before the f- end of the first half that let Mississippi State try to go to the end zone, and they did. All 24 points that Mississippi State scored came off of K-State mistakes. So this game should have been firmly in K-State's control, and they kept making errors. They kept letting the Bulldogs be in this game. What was really impressive to me, for the most of the game, K-State controlled the line of scrimmage, going in both directions. Now, if you look at the statistics, it looks like you know K-State didn't play that well. Mississippi State outgained them, had more first downs, uh, you know, won a lot of things in statistical categories that you would say probably would decide the game. But what really decided this game was K-State was tougher. And at the end of the day, to say that against a Mississippi State team that in a different version came into Manhattan last year and completely bullied Kansas State is really impressive. Because as much as special teams stunk all day, this happened to a 100-yard kickoff return by Malik Knowles. And it looked like old-school Kansas State football. And it was uh, really impressive that K-State rallied with 14 points in the second quarter. And all that running... Uh, set up a play fake that Skylar Thompson executed perfectly and lofted a pass to Dalton Schoen for what turned out to be the game-winning touchdown. And then the great play of the game on the last scramble to try to get a first down. The Mississippi State quarterback turned into a helicopter. He actually started to pick up altitude at one point mm. and then was told he didn't have flight clearance. So he dropped right at the mm. 20, one yard short in case they escaped with a win. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask, when a team makes mistakes, especially in special teams, I think a lot of times you can look at that obviously as a negative, right. their mistakes, but for K-State to kind of handle its business, come out on top with those mistakes, does it mean more or does it mean anything different? Well, the, the two things I take away from it, Scott, is that one, K-State won with these mistakes on the road at a ranked mm-hmm. team SEC venue. So what happens when they don't make the mistakes? What is their ceiling? I don't know, that's mm-hmm. a great question. 
Uh, and two, they didn't get dispirited at any point in that game. Like, oh, we blew it. We were going to win. They should have been up 17 or 21 to nothing at halftime, and yet it was 17-14, mm-hmm. and nobody was hanging their heads like, oh, we missed our opportunity to win. They just kept going and won. So it was impressive. After scoring only seven points against Coastal Carolina, a team from the coast of Carolina, the KU football offense nearly hung 50 on Boston College, a team from Boston, on Friday. Scott, sorry. Scott, where did this offensive explosion come from? Because it was fantastic. Well, it came from Kansas, which is a team in Lawrence. <laughs> no, I, I mean, first of all, talk about the quarterback play here. Carter Stanley with the hurdle. He also had a play where he drops his shoulder and goes through a guy. This all came after an interception, though. I mean, quarterback play was an issue through two games. This offense was an issue through two games. Kansas was kind of the beneficiary. In week one, they had a defensive touchdown, so they put 24 points up on the board. 17 of those only came from the offense, though. So you would look at that and say, oh, well, the offense was fine in game one. It was really bad in game two. I I would tell you I thought it was bad uh, the first two weeks of the season. But uh, look, Kansas opened things up. Les Miles deserves a lot of credit for this, not because these were necessarily his inventions, but because he trusted his staff and he trusted the people on it. Brent Deerman is a guy KU brought in to be a senior offensive consultant at a lower level, Bethel. Uh, His offense averaged over 50 points, over 500 yards a game. It led all college, all levels in scoring. You know this guy has a great offensive mind, and he wrote the book on RPOs. Literally, he has written a book on the run-pass option. So the fact of the matter is KU infused that much more into the offense. They went out of the shotgun. They still had some of those old staples, the Les Miles toss that Khalil Herbert actually ran 80 yards on and didn't. Uh, quite get into the end zone. They scored a few plays later. They spread it out. They put Puka Williams in space. They did different things. Brent Dearman deserves credit. Uh, less Miles, less Kenning for adapting. They also deserve credit for that. And Herbert was incredible. Uh, it's, it's remarkable. The guy rushed for, what, 291 yards in a game in his sophomore season. He had a, a really good stretch of games. Now he got banged up. He hurt his hamstring that year, his sophomore year. Came back for his junior year, and it was like he disappeared. And yes, KU had Puka Williams, but and there was times where you were just wondering, why, why isn't Khalil Herbert getting carries? I mean, you saw it. He averaged 17 yards per carry. That's a lot. He did have that 82-yard run, though. If you remove that, he still averaged 10 and a half yards a carry. Remove the 82-yarder, he's over 10 yards a carry. It was unbelievable. If you remove all of his good plays, which were every play, he averaged zero. (laughs) That's a good point. I mean, it was just absolutely incredible. He he looked like an NFL back in this (laughs) game. It really was fun to watch. The Big 12 had a strong weekend, except Texas Tech lost at Arizona. But the most egregious... Got it. Lost belonged to Iowa State, which was the site of college football's game day in Ames, and the Cyclones lost Iowa 18 to 17. The fall to 101, and remember they barely beat Northern Iowa. Iowa State was picked for third in the Big 12, but are the Cyclones way overvalued? Are you selling? Well, here's what I'll say about Iowa State and why this loss I, I think was so disappointing. We both, as you'll recall, picked Iowa State in this game, and it's Look, Iowa State is came into the season ranked second time or something like that in program history. They had high hopes, people picking them, what, third in the Big 12? To have this game, at first of all, at home, in this kind of competitive series, uh, game day, like you said, all, all the fanfare, I, this is just a game where you got to come out and show, hey, that wasn't who we were week one. We're going to put our foot down. We're, we're going to show you that we are Iowa State. We're going to contend with these top teams in the Big 12. They did not do that. I know, I know it was a low-scoring game, a close game, but... Yeah, I don't know how you're not selling a little bit on Iowa State at this point. Yeah, they're really disappointing. I mean, they 
Look, everyone's zero and zero in the Big 12. Mm -hmm. I mean, and they've still got another non-conference to go. So there's a lot of football to be played. And I know Matt Campbell's teams have gotten better somewhat as the season progressed. But they've got to be really disappointed. This was supposed to be a big year. They're supposed to be contending for a spot in the Big 12 championship. And Texas has a loss already. Maybe Texas isn't as good as we expect. So maybe there's a spot open. And all of a sudden, there's other teams that look like they might mm -hmm. be the third best team. You know, K-State included, Oklahoma State included. And all of a sudden, Iowa State's just like, well, we're supposed to be good. And it's like, okay, that's all we have to do is think we're going to be yeah. good. And, boy, they got off the hook week one, and then they turned around in this week and couldn't get off the hook and lost a rivalry game. And, and I think that's probably the biggest reason for disappointment. The opportunity is there in this conference. Yes, Oklahoma is going to be very good. They're going to be hard to beat at the top of the conference. There's space there. I, I would say even to be the second best team in the Big 12, the third best team certainly. Really, I, I mean, the top half of the league, it can go so many different ways. A huge disappointment for sure for them not to be in a better position. Now, a quick look at your poll question results. And poll questions are brought to you by Film at 11. Your go fast, look good, play hard, custom shop. Well, last week, week's question was, what Big 12 football program made the worst coaching hire? The options were the new coaching hires. Kansas with Les Miles getting 20% of the vote. K-State, Chris Kleiman getting 10%. Who voted for Chris Kleiman? <laughs> Texas Tech Come with on. Matt Wells getting 30%. West Virginia with Neil Brown, 40% of the vote. Yeah, I think you got that one right, folks. <laughs> this week's question is this. KU football snapped a 48-game road losing streak against Power 5 opponents on Friday night in Boston. When will the Jayhawks get their next Power 5 road win? I didn't read that right, but I hope everyone followed. A, this season in Big 12 play, B, 2020, C, 2021 or beyond. So like till infinity, apparently. Uh, vote at thedriveshow.com. Well, look, it took them 48. So infinity is even that Possible. necessarily not a gimme, but the Big 12 schedule hard on the road for the Jayhawks this year. But that will do it for this half of the two-minute drill. We will be right back with more on KU and K-State on The Drive. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to The Drive as we continue our weekly two-minute drill. And the two-minute drill is sponsored by Hands. They've been expecting you. Now let's eat. Well, K-State's victory at Mississippi State moves the Wildcats to a 3-0. Sets the table for Chris Kleiman's team for the rest of the season. Fitz, what does this mean for the Wildcats? It really does change the context of what this season's about. I mean, even the optimists like me were picking K-State 6-6, six and six, maybe 7-5. and five, And now a lot more gets into play. If you look at K-State's schedule, they go to Oklahoma State in two weeks, which will be an enormous game. Uh, but because this is actually a season where they have five Big 12 home games, they will have five of their final eight in Manhattan, mm -hmm. which really changes things for K-State because after Oklahoma State, Baylor and TCU come to town, and really those are winnable games at home, very winnable games, <clears throat> particularly if you go to Stillwater and win in two weeks. 
Then you you might be sitting at six and zero. I love doing this because coaches and players <laughs> don't get to do this. Then you might be sitting at six and zero when Oklahoma comes to town. It really does change things for Kansas State and how they're perceived in the conference. Maybe it turns them a little bit more into the hunted. Uh, but uh, I tell you what, that was a really defining win at Mississippi State. They they hadn't won against uh, Power Five on the road since 2011. This is the greatest stat. They hadn't beaten an SEC team on the road since 1910. That, that's Pappy Waldorf. He did win a Big Six title that year, so they were a juggernaut. But Kansas State now looks like a team that is going to threaten people when they play them. They're a hard preparation. And it looks like KU's offense is going to be a hard preparation. And that's really the key now. In this conference where you run, everyone wants to run a spread, in the past, now you're seeing teams come back into more solid foundation of football. And for Kansas State, that's running the ball an awful lot. And while they didn't have great success on the ground, they did end up with enough damage being done on the ground. And really, it was more about setting a precedent that you have to worry about the run. So to set up the play action in case they use that on their final touchdown of the game. Just run, run, run and pound on teams. And a lot of these defenses have been stripped down for the spread. Yeah, and, and think about it like this. This is very simple math. Anyone can do it. You start 3-0, you only have to go 3-6 and six the rest of the way to get to a bowl game. That, that's winning one-third of right. your Big 12 games. That, that is very doable for a lot of teams, certainly the way K-State looks. Yeah, it really is, and we'll see how that all plays out. Well, Scott, quarterback play has been a major issue under previous KU coaches. Les Miles has stuck with Carter Stanley through three weeks, and Stanley delivered at Boston College. Interception early in the game made me worry, but how would you assess the situation so far? Well, I, I mean, go back to that Boston College game. He throws that interception, and just about everyone, certainly on social media, is calling for a change at quarterback, yeah. and it's different guys. It's Thomas McVitie. It's Manny Miles, the son of Les Miles. It's whoever. It's just get a new guy in there. This isn't working out. Carter Stanley had three fumbles in week one. He had one pass in that same week that hit a defensive back in both hands, popped up, and was caught by a receiver for one of his longer games. So oh, I forgot about that. It could have had a lot more. It, it could have been a lot worse. Week two, he threw two interceptions. He also fumbled and then starts off game three with an interception. And look at that point, you're thinking, oh my goodness, like he has lost confidence. The coaches are going to lose confidence in him. But what did Carter Stanley do after he threw that interception? I found this fascinating. The ESPN broadcast actually caught him going up to players individually and apologizing and saying, that's my bad, that's my fault, we're fine. And those players told him back, no man, like we've got this, we're gonna come together. From that point on, Carter Stanley played the best football of his career. He was pinpointing through three touchdown passes. He got the run game involved. He took risks when he had to specifically with his feet. He hurdled a defender. He plowed through a defender. This is who Carter Stanley is. And we've talked about this before, but there are times where you don't want your quarterbacks, even the dual threat guys, doing these things. This is what Carter Stanley has to do. He doesn't have the greatest arm in the world. He is not the most accurate guy in the world, but he is a leader and he leads by example. He is a fiery guy. He will he will be the rah-rah guy. He will fire you up, but he wants to make those plays at the point of attack. I think back to the Texas game. It was either his freshman or sophomore season when KU actually beat Texas. He was running downfield. There was a defensive back in the way. He lowered his shoulder, tried to plow through the guy. Years later, one of his receivers remembered that when talking about Carter Stanley, and he predicted, Stephen Sims did, that Carter Stanley would do it again. He did against Boston College. Well, Les Miles had faith in his quarterback, even though he wasn't being rewarded for that faith, mm -hmm. and then he was. And, and week one, Carter Stanley marches him down the field for the touchdown. If that doesn't happen, you're looking at one and two. I don't know if... First of all, KU would have kept faith if Les Miles would have even stuck with Carter Stanley sure. that long, but he did. And to your point, that's not something past coaches have done. No. He's sticking with his guy, and it worked in week three. I'm sticking with you, partner. I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem.
Uh, now we step out of bounds. Well, KU thumps Boston College. Winless West Virginia beats North Carolina State. Georgia Tech loses to Citadel. Florida State loses again, and Virginia Tech barely beats Furman. Noticing a trend here, the ACC is not great. So should that be taken against Clemson when it comes to the college football playoff rankings? Now, this is a subject that I, I wanted to put in here because someone pointed this out in, in terms of Central Florida where this gets criticized for not playing anyone in their conference. Mm -hmm. Well, here we go. They're really not playing anyone in their conference. Who's good in that conference? Virginia? Wake Forest is 3-0. Wake Forest. I mean, I, I just don't understand how uh, this ACC is as bad. When you've got a, someone setting the bar this high as Clemson, you usually go and pursue them and try to follow them, but it looks like everyone said, oh, we give up. Yeah, and look, here's the thing. I, I know a lot of people won't like to hear this per se, but when you are in Alabama or a Clemson or an Oklahoma or an Ohio State, you get the benefit of the oh, doubt. Absolutely. And so it, when it comes to the college football playoff rankings, should it matter versus will it matter, I think is a big conversation here. Clemson is going to get into the playoff if Clemson is undefeated. If Clemson has one loss, Clemson is probably going to get in the playoff. I think a big part of that is name at this point, though. You look at the ACC and how bad the ACC has been. I mean, it's shocking. Virginia Tech loses to Boston College and you, you you're starting to think maybe these teams might be better or worse you, you know Virginia Tech is probably gonna be pretty good now you look at it and you say is Boston College a bad loss for Virginia Tech it, it's unbelievable yeah and, and Virginia Tech should have lost to Furman I, I really think though if if Clemson loses a conference game this committee's got to stop and look at it mm -hmm. how bad is that loss yeah. but I don't know if they'll do that don't know if they will they should though for yes, sure absolutely well now let's hear from the fans and our fan question this week is KU wins big at BC and K-State knocks off number 23 Mississippi State on the road how much does this change the context of this season's Sunflower Showdown that's from Lance and Lenexa who pointed out he's a podcast listener so we probably look really good to Lance. Um, it does change this. All of a sudden, oh, sure. there's some, and it's a ways off. It's, you know, middle of the Big 12 schedule. Uh, so there's a lot of football to be played, but these teams could be fighting over some something serious at that point. Mm -hmm. we'll game see. in Lawrence this year. And <laughs> in years past, what you've seen is it's a home game for Kansas, but it's not, it's not quite a home game. Looking at the crowd, it's about half K-State fans and half empty. Right. So I think this year, at least, if things go well, continue to go well for both both teams early in Big 12 play, you could be looking at one of the most fun environments you've seen in a long time. A true, like, almost high school feel or former Big 12 championship, really current feel yeah, of I, half and half. You know, really, if KU wins at home against West Virginia, mm -hmm. if their fans don't start snapping up a home tickets, shame on them. Yeah. Shame on them. Well, remember to ask us your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at The Drive 13. And when we return, we will look at our predictions here on The Drive. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back as we head down the home stretch of this week's show. Now it's time to take a look at our predictions, and the predictions are brought to you by Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. 
And remember, make your weekly predictions over at thedriveshow.com. And now let's look at last week's results. The viewers went two and one. We went one and two. The viewers are now leading us five to four, and we're both four to five. So we've decided you guys are going to do the show next week, and we're going to take the night off. So if you know all 33 of you that watch the show want to show up at about 6.30, you can do the show. Sounds like a plan. That's good with me. I'll I'll enjoy it. I'll watch. We're going to work out well. Here, let's get going with this (laughs) week's picks. Uh, Now, look, it's a bad week in the Big 12 in terms of having games to pick. K-State's off, so we need another game. So I did a combo pack. Baylor and TCU play Rice and SMU and combined they're favored by 41 and a half. Will these two teams beat those two teams by 42 points or more? I say yes. I will take Rice and SMU. I think Baylor wins big, TCU wins close, and it doesn't quite get there. Okay. That was good analysis right there. Thanks. Okay. Next is Oklahoma State plus seven at Texas. I have no feel for either one of these teams. Mm-hmm. I will take Texas. I'll take Oklahoma State. Oh, I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. And our last game of the week is the big one. It's West Virginia at Kansas. Now, here's what's amazing. West Virginia opened as a seven-point favorite For in short. Lawrence, and West Virginia stinks. <laughs> yeah. It's down to four and a half, at least by what we saw right before we taped. So will West Virginia win by five or more in Lawrence? I say no. I think KU's winning outright. Yeah, I'm taking Kansas outright as well in this one. See? See how we did that? Again, make your picks over at thedriveshow.com. You might want to pick differently than we do <laughs> if you want to have a good score. So now it's time for our On the Clock segment. And On the Clock is sponsored by Carpet One. Buy local for a strong local community. And we start with Scott Chasen of Fog.net. Well, the KU defense deserves a bit of credit for surviving its first real test. And things look shaky against Boston College, at least at first. Boston College, known for its physical running attack, really, those early drives did not look promising for a new front seven for the KU football defense. Defensive coordinator DJ Elliott got a lot of credit after the game for pitching a shutout in the second half, but I was particularly impressed by the KU secondary. Kyle Mayberry had two interceptions, actually hit his hands and kind of fall away. Other guys stepped up and made plays. Even Hassan Defense, who has struggled at cornerback. Mike Lee, who has struggled early in the season in coverage. Both of those guys stepped up and made big plays. Mike Lee actually got the biggest stop of the game. It was a fourth down tackle. He went low. We saw in the ESPN docu-series, Miles to Go, the coaches were telling their secondary, all the defensive players heading into the week, tackle low. You won't have the strength, basically, to get it done up top. Mike Lee took that message, made one of the biggest tackles tackles of the game. KU defense stepped up in a big way. Well, I'm stealing tonight from a good friend of mine, Jay, who had this interesting thought. Well, there was a lot of K-State fans who weren't very happy with the hiring of Chris Kleiman. They just thought it was Gene Taylor, the athletic director's drinking buddy, uh, if like an AD would actually just do that. And now Chris Kleiman is 3-0. and Well, he's ranked 25 in the coaches poll now. And those same people who questioned the hire are now saying, I don't have enough information to go off of to see if this is a good hire. And yet they had enough information at O&O to say it was a bad hire. It doesn't make any sense. This was a good hire, even if it doesn't work out quite as shiningly as winning every football game, which apparently Chris Kleiman does. He's on pace. I know. And that's it for this week's edition of The Drive. We will see you next week right here and all week on social media. 